the atmosphere in Jerusalem is tense because Jesus of Nazareth has been teaching in the temple courtyard all week long. This follows some pretty dramatic scenes. He came into Jerusalem. We call it the triumphal entry. He came in and the children and then the adults got in the streets waving palm branches and shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And the Messiah was in their midst and they knew it. The Pharisees didn't like that. Then he came into the temple one morning and he overthrew the tables of the money changers and he kicked out the buyers and the sellers and he declared with a loud voice, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. And the Pharisees didn't like that either. The chief priests and the elders who are insanely jealous of Jesus' popularity with the people, they now on this next day interrupt his teaching to challenge his authority. But Jesus easily confounds them with questions and then he rebukes them with three pointed parables in rapid succession, each containing a similar pronouncement of judgment. He says, therefore, say I unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and be given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. Though they may not have grasped every detail of his parables, no one in the crowd that day misunderstood what Jesus was saying, especially the Pharisees. The Bible even specifies, and when the chief priests and the Pharisees had heard his parables, they perceived that he spake of them. The third parable in this trilogy is a powerful story of a wedding banquet. In ancient Jewish society, it was the parents of the betrothed who actually drew up the marriage contract. The bride and groom had very little to do with it. And the bride and groom would meet, perhaps for the first time, on the day that that contract was signed. The couple was then considered married. We would say they were engaged at that point. But they would separate until the actual time of their ceremony. The bride would remain with her parents at home, and the groom would go to prepare their new home, most often building it, constructing it, and that could take a very long time. When the home was finally ready, the groom would return for his bride without notice. The family and the friends and the invited guests who months before had been invited to the wedding when the groom returned for her without notice, they would drop whatever they were doing to attend the marriage ceremony and then the wedding banquet that immediately followed it. It was one of the most joyous occasions in Jewish life, and that banquet could last for up to a week. And in this case, in the case of the parable that Jesus tells, it's a royal wedding because a king has invited people to the wedding of his son. And the king even provided special wedding garments for everyone. So it was an unthinkable insult to be on that guest list and not show up. Here's Jesus' story. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son. 
And he sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. And again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, and they went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchant. And then the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, he was angry, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. The story is unforgettable precisely because it is unthinkable. Those the king had honored with an invitation to the wedding of his son, they refused to come. It's not that they could not come. It's that they would not come. Surely there must be some mistake, some miscommunication. And so the monarch, he sent out more servants with an even more urgent invitation. He says, I've gone to great lengths to prepare this great dinner. The animals have already been slaughtered. The food's going to spoil if you don't come. All things are ready, so please come to the feast. Please come to the wedding banquet for my son. This time, the invited guests even make light of the king's invitation. And once again, they just go about their business. One heads off to his farm, Another goes to his merchant shop. All of them make flimsy excuses. But some of the king's invited guests, they are so upset at the intrusion into their lives. They're so offended by the interruption of their schedule. They are so enraged by the insistence of the king that they actually misuse the king's servants and kill them. It's unthinkable. But that is exactly what happened in Jewish history. God had given Israel his commandments and his covenant, his law and his love. And he had invited them to be his witnesses to the world. But they refused his commandments. They rejected his covenant. They ignored his law and they spurned his love. And when God sent his prophets, anointed men of God in the Old Testament, when God sent his prophets to reach one more time for that backslidden nation, they misused God's prophets and they killed many of them. The king in Jesus' story, he wasn't just hurt, he was angry. To judge those who had spurned his invitation and murdered his messengers... He sent forth his armies and he burned up their cities and he destroyed them. The king's judgment is undoubtedly a prophecy of the destruction of the city of Jerusalem by the Romans in A.D. 70. And Jesus said that directly in Matthew 24 and 2 when the disciples asked him about the temple. He said, there shall not be left her one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And of course, even greater judgment will come in the last days. Jesus has clearly indicated the judgment of Israel for their rejection of their own Messiah. It's unthinkable. They were offered the blessings of God, but they refused his invitation because they were too preoccupied with earthly things. 
Six decades after Jesus spoke these words, the Apostle John would sit down to write his gospel account and he would write a haunting epitaph over the Jewish nation. But he'd also, in the same breath, declare a hopeful promise over the rest of the world. John wrote, He came unto his own. One of the most haunting verses in Scripture. And his own received him not. But that, brothers and sisters, is not where the story ends. But as many as did receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but they were born of God. My goodness. Now Jesus said it plainly. The kingdom of God would be taken from the Jews. But it would be given to a people who produce the fruit of the kingdom. I pause to ask you a question. Do you understand how privileged we are? And what an honor we have been given. The Jews threw out their wedding invitation. So the Gentiles got put on the guest list. The religious couldn't be bothered to respond. So the unrighteous got to celebrate the wedding of the king's son. We shouldn't be headed to the marriage supper of the lamb. But guess what, devil? We are. We're on the guest list for the greatest celebration of all time and eternity. Paul referred to it in Ephesians. This transfer from one group to the other. At that time, you were without Christ. You were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. You had no pedigree. You were strangers from the covenants of promise. And you had no hope. You were without God in the world. I need somebody to take a journey back in your mind to B.C. before Christ came into your life. It wasn't all roses back then. You had some real issues and some real struggles and some real troubles. And thank God if any of that or all of that led you to church and led you to God. Because today your life is so much different than it would have been. And that's just here on this earth. But imagine the greatest, longest part of your life. It's going to be in eternity. And for a million times a million times a million years, you will be around the throne thanking God that your portion wasn't in an eternal hell separated from God forever, but you're on streets of gold and you're celebrating the wedding of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords with his bride. (laughs) You were without hope. You were without God in the world, but now... In Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off, you shouldn't be here. It's a weird twist of fate that you're in church tonight, especially in a crazy, worshiping, praying, giving, apostolic church. What are the odds of that happening if you go back in your life Five or 10 or 15 or 20 years. What are the odds of that happening? But here you are. You who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Of course, Jesus is alluding to this. Revelation 19. Let us be glad and rejoice. John saw this too. Let us give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come. 
And his wife hath made herself ready. And to her, to the church, to the bride, was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For that fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, John, write, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, these are the true sayings of God. John, write the understatement of all history. Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's an understatement. We are blessed to be in that number headed for that heaven. That heavenly marriage supper is what Jesus alludes to in the second half of his parable. Because the parable isn't over yet. In the second half of the parable, the king sends out messengers again. This time to invite as many people as they can possibly find to the wedding of his son. This time, the pedigree of the guests doesn't matter. And the messengers certainly don't discriminate. The Bible tells us here they find both good and bad people and they compel them to come. Here's the second half of Jesus' story. Then saith the king to his servants, the wedding is ready, but the ones that were bidden, the ones that were on the guest list, the ones that were invited, they weren't worthy. They didn't want to come. They were too busy to come. They were too preoccupied to come. Go therefore into the highways, and as many as you shall find, bid them come to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways, and they gathered together all, as many as they found, both bad and good. Wasn't all good people. They had some bad people among this list. And the wedding was furnished with guests. They didn't check anything to let them in. Some of them had a good life. Some of them had a bad life. Some of them owned possessions. Some of them were paupers. But they just grabbed everybody they could find. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. See, the king provided wedding garments for all the guests. And again, it's an unthinkable insult that you would spurn the garment offered by the king. And he saith unto him, friend, how did you get in here not having a wedding garment? And that man was speechless. And then said the king to the servants, because this is another unthinkable insult. Bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's a direct image Jesus referred to it more than anybody else in the Bible. That's a direct image of eternal punishment and destruction. It's very clear what this parable is talking about. That you cannot get to the wedding feast without a garment of righteousness. You cannot be a guest at the wedding feast in heaven. You can't sit down at the marriage supper of the Lamb unless you're clothed in a garment that is provided by the King. I'm thankful you're good people, but your goodness is not going to get you to heaven. I'm thankful you're moral church members and good upstanding citizens, but none of that will get you into heaven. But if you are clothed in the garment of righteousness provided by the King of Kings, I don't care where you came from or how bad your life was you have a right to walk right into heaven and sit down at the table with everybody else and Jesus ends by saying for many are called but few 
are chosen. Music, come on back. It's clear from Jesus' parable that the wedding banquet is an open invitation, but there is a dress code. Everyone is welcome at the king's table, but the table changes us. The table requires a change in our clothes. We have to wear the garment of righteousness that the king provides, or we will be cast out just like that man, and just like those who refused his invitation in the first place. Many are called, Jesus says, but few are chosen. Now that's so far as I think we all pretty much know that if we've been around church and we've read the Bible and read Jesus' parables. But I'd like to say two very direct things to this great church tonight. First of all, it's up to the king to decide who's called, and who's chosen. Now, we know he calls whosoever will. So that part we've got down. But can I tell you that it's up to the king who's chosen. You don't determine that. I don't determine that. The leadership of this church doesn't determine that. You have no idea who may come in to this church house and sit in these seats and this is a good church, so we don't do this much. But every once in a while, somebody escapes from another church and infiltrates, you know. I'm sure it's them and not us. You may give them a sidelong glance and wonder, what in the world? They'll never make a good Christian. They'll never get Pentecostal. They'll never be hungry enough to stick it out. You know those judgmental things that people do in church? Sometimes, if it gets really sinister, it's kind of like, what are they doing here dirtying up our nice, clean, pretty church? But you don't get to determine who's chosen. The king has invited everybody. He already went run, one round with the religious people in the Old Testament. He already went one round with people that were self-righteous and smug and self-satisfied. And he decided he'd had enough of that. So for heaven's sake, let's not replicate that in the New Testament. We're just grateful to be here. So we're grateful for anybody else that comes here. For anybody else that stumbles in the door. I don't care what their political persuasion is. I don't care what their moral values are. I don't care what their lifestyle is. I don't care what their addiction issues are. If we can just get them here, we can pass them an invitation to the wedding supper. If we can just get them around some of us. They're on your job. They're in your neighborhood. With many of you, they're in your family. Would you stop trying to worry about being every link in the chain that reaches them and gets them to the kingdom of God. You don't have to be every link. Be one link. Be kind. Be one link. Pray for them. Be one link. Be a witness. Be one link. Love them. Many are called. Few are chosen. And that verse right there, if we're not careful, 
We'll use that as a cop-out. Well, few are chosen anyway. It's the king that decides who gets there, not you and me. Our job is not to decide who's worthy to put on the wedding garment. Our job is not to decide who merits sitting at the table in eternity. It's clear from Jesus' parable that the king determines that. So on Mission Sunday 2021, let me say very clearly, our only job as his messengers, as the king's servant, is to get to as many people as we possibly can and just invite them to join us at his wedding. That's why we invite the good and the bad, the wheat and the tares, the saints and the sinners to be part of our church. We don't care about where they've been. We only care about where they're going. Oh, and that raises the hackles on some of us that have been around for a while. I've been around for a while, so I know. Yeah, but, 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 but we've got to teach them about convictions and we've got to teach them lifestyle standards and we've got to teach them this and that and, and, and they're so immoral and they're so messed up. I know all of that. And yes, you can trust your pastor and this great team and our leaders. We're going to do our best to teach them about God's wedding garment of righteousness because we don't want them to be disqualified. But hear me clearly tonight. It is his job to decide whether they make it or not. It's not our job to determine whether they're a good prospect or whether we should put time in them or whether we should reach for them or whether we should bother praying for them. That's not your call. That's not your job. It's not our job to decide who makes it and who doesn't, who's worthy and who isn't. It's just our job to deliver the invitation and ask them to accept it and tell them, about our hope. See, we can sit here all cleaned up, dressed up, fixed up, repaired up, and we can sit here and for so many of us, our years in sin, our years of backsliding, our years of being messed up, they're far in the rear view mirror. And if we're not careful, we can turn into the same thing that they had in the Old Testament where we're not even concerned about who's going to the wedding feast. But it's Mission Sunday 2021. If there's any Sunday of the year when we should focus our eyes beyond here and say, who are we taking with us to the wedding feast? It's today. Some of you shouldn't be going. Some of you shouldn't have an invitation in your pocket. Some of you shouldn't have a robe of righteousness on your back. But hey, devil, hey, hell, they do. They do. And they're going. And there's nothing the devil or hell can do about it anymore. I leave you with one last statement and I'm finished. It's far more important to have the wedding full than the guest list, perfect. 
oh, that statement rips me up inside. It's far more important to have the wedding full than the guest list perfect. When rapture day happens, how about we let Jesus decide who's going in that moment in the twinkling of an eye. But until then, hear me well. Everybody's a candidate to repent. Everybody's a candidate to be baptized in Jesus' name. Everybody's a candidate to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Everybody's a candidate to be a member of the CCC family. Everybody is welcome here. Nobody is excluded here. Everybody is included here. And we love everybody here. Oh, my. I wish you'd lift up your hands and your voice. I'm not asking you to worship right now. I'm asking you to pray for a moment. Isn't it funny? Prayer is always softer and more quiet than worship. That's called conviction. God's talking to us tonight, and I'm good with that, and I know you are. Lift up your voice and just pray, just pray, just pray. Leto la baba esho samamente kerabaha soto rababa toro korababa heti kesa erodo rababa basho sababoko ti alabaha and ola baba sho sababoko shesa oh jesus ha If you'll just let that prayer percolate for a minute, something wants to spring up and rise up in this room. There we go, great church. We're on our way. We're getting somewhere. Thank you, Jesus. We're not trying to get the guest list perfect and everybody's issues all worked out so we can have a perfect little church. We're just trying to get the wedding full. Please hear me. It doesn't matter what they act like or live like or look like. If we can just get the invitation to them. We'll work on them. We'll teach them. We'll love them. We'll reach for them. But please let me take a load of condemnation or guilt or pressure off of you. It's not in your pay grade 
to figure out whether they're going to make a good saint or not. Only God can make anybody a good saint. So our job, the king got tired of the people that kept turning him down. So he just got his servants to go out one more time. And here's what the king said. I don't care who you talk to. I don't care if they're good people or bad people. I don't care if you think they'll look nice at the wedding feast or if you think they'll be an embarrassment. I don't care. I just want the wedding feast in honor of my son to be filled with people. That's our job. That's our job. Stop taking on a job that God never called you to do. He did not call you to clean up his church and perfect his guest list. He just called you to hand out invitations. That's all he called you to do. Something very special in this room today. I'd like you to give vent one more time to what you're feeling in the spirit. God is wanting to talk to us. I don't know yet whether that's collectively or individually, but I know it's very direct. So would you use your voice and your hands and let out your prayer and your praise in this moment? And the Reba Boshe Sakabia Toba. Tola Babasha Sabaha. Leto Rapa Reta La Corra Bahata Lassia Thank you, Jesus.